The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Sharon Osgood. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Elizabeth Salta-Gerald is a registered nurse with over 10 years experience in the area of spinal cord injury and disease. She is also a board certified wound ostomy and continence nurse. She serves as a member of our armed forces in the Air Force Reserve. Her clinical experience and interest has always been focused within the military and veteran population. Her current position is with James A. Haley, VA Medical Center. Could you walk us through your current population and maybe where you might choose transanal irrigation as an option for bowel management for your patients? Uh, My patient population consists of uh, all spinal cord patients, whether they're paris or tetras complete or incomplete and under the same umbrella we see ms and als patients transanal irrigation we try to look at as a possibility or as an option for bowel management for those patients that have failed everything else um, and just can't seem to manage properly um we try to recommend the transanal irrigation prior to maybe having them go straight to an ostomy for the management of bowel. So of this patient population that you talked about, how do they get to you? How are they referred? Uh, it's gotten to the point now that uh, <laughs> first they talk to each other. <laughs> so the bank patients are, your patients it's are always It's a lot of word of mouth. They do talk to each other more than we realize. Um, so that's one. And so I've, I've had actually patients in the clinic come out and ask me about the transanal irrigation. Um, and then I just refer them to the physician just for that to come back to me and for me to initiate the process. Um, sometimes the recommendation comes from our occupational therapy that sees a a veteran that has the capability, the potential with adaptive equipment to be more independent with their bowel care, thus really giving them their dignity back. And that's actually how I got a an incomplete quadriplegic doing his own bowel care now. And so thankful that he doesn't have to rely on his brother-in-law for bowel management. Some of our nurse practitioners will will ask, how do I recommend one of my patients to see if they qualify or are eligible? And again, I give them the provider, go to the provider and have them assess and we'll take it from there. Um, it's just really a referral. Same thing for the home care side for when this is going to be done at uh, a patient's home. The referral goes to home care for the trainer that is within that group to to do the training. When you were getting these recommendations uh, of potential patients, 
what are some of the assessment tools that you might use with this group to identify if they're an appropriate candidate for it? So we have a, a standard operating procedure that was created in order for us to have a, a one area that we can go to to start with to determine eligibility. Um, the provider has uh, the manufacturer recommendations. They have a provider uh, guidelines, practice guidelines that they can go through. They have a checklist. So there's there's a lot of tools for them to use to determine if somebody is is, is a good fit or not. Okay, so now they've gone through a tool and they found a patient and um, what is some of the other decision-making processes that now might happen to assure that this person is a good candidate? So one of the things that the provider might want to do is look at prior imaging, if there's any, um, that would may that would possibly even determine that this patient is not a good fit for it. Um, they may look at if this is somebody that's inpatient now, but they're looking at discharge and going home, what kind of support do they have at home? Are they, first of all, are they gonna be doing this on their own? How much assistance do they need? Is it just a matter of doing one portion for them and then they take it over from there? Or is the caregiver responsible to do the whole procedure? Um, are they going to be compliant with it? Is this, is somebody that takes their medications the way they're prescribed or do they do kind of their own thing? Um, all of these things are important to know uh, and determine on whether they're even gonna be successful with the system. Okay, so in light of that, when might you make a determination that maybe we can't use transanal irrigation um, maybe there's a specific situation that you've run into where for a particular patient it might not be something that would be appropriate for them. I actually had a patient that would have been good other than when he saw the catheter, he immediately got very anxious and you could tell that he was just about to go into autonomic dysreflexia by looking at the catheter. So at that point it was not even an option to go any further than that. Um, I had a patient that wanted to do it so bad and he couldn't because the sphincter just, he, it just could, it wouldn't relax. Um, so it, it, it's those assessments that you just don't know until you're right there in front of them. Um, but it, you just kind of have to, you know, as long as your assessment is done properly, you're going to minimize who can or cannot do it. But um, clearly somebody that has had uh, an, any kind of anal or colorectal stenosis or colorectal cancer, um, those kind of things you want to know ahead. So it's a really, really important assessment is very important that I kind of tend to uh, double check as the as consults come to me, just to make sure that nothing was missed. So would you have, um, do you have some sort of a checklist that you can look at maybe clinically, whether they may be qualified or is it something yes. that might be a contraindication or just precautionary? We do have a checklist. 
and um, it's actually provided also by the manufacturer uh, when we get the product in, um, and we follow that. We follow that checklist for contraindications and precautions, both. Uh, have to follow it. Otherwise, anything goes wrong, it's us that's wrong. And then you briefly mentioned before was um, something about compliance. <laughs> so could you talk about that patient and maybe, um, you know, maybe a situation where you would not recommend for a particular patient? Uh, somebody that doesn't have the support at home. Somebody that, not necessarily that they live alone, that doesn't mean that they would be immediately disqualified for this. But if they don't have the support at home, they live alone, and we know that they are not compliant with anything else, with their appointments, with their medications, with their therapies, then this would just not be a good fit for them either. The potential for misuse is, is greater at that point. Okay, so kind of to wrap up and in closing, maybe if you could highlight a few key takeaways um, for the people listening regarding the selection process. Communication, organization, accountability, clinically knowing if your patient is right are all key. The reason I say that is because um, we have an outpatient coordinator that uh, measures outcomes. So once our patients go home, she kind of follows up. And so we have uh, a list of everybody that we've gotten through that when we get the consult to initiate the transanal irrigation um, treatment, and we maintain who, when we got the consult, when we place the order, the initial order for the training kit, um, if the patient is going to stay with it or not, how often are they doing it so that we know how often they're going to need their catheters after that so that we can place the order accordingly. And we're, we keep track of all of that. Okay, so they're going to do it daily or they're going to do it every other day. So you have to be organized with that to the point where once you sign them off to, to just continue this on, you have them all set up when they come in for their annual exam. Their transanal irrigation system automatically can be renewed by their provider because the provider will know then to ask, how are you doing with this? Did you want to stay with it? And then they just renew everything. So then we are just off. Now here comes your outpatient outcomes coordinator and is following up with them. So you have to be able to work as a team, you have to be organized, and you have to be able to communicate with each other. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us/professional.